they're maybe not used to paying a fee because they charge for free, or it was a scenario where the uh, financial advisor just works solely on commission. So you'll find more often than not, when you're straightforward and upfront with them, they're going to be fine with it and they're going to understand and they're going to appreciate that. And so, and you just got to get comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, it may be the people that you worked with before, maybe they're not the right fit, but you can find those, those new people and you're going to set yourself up. It's going to be very transparent and you're going to get there and you have to talk about it right away because if they're not a good fit and you wait to the end, just think about how much time you wasted. You are listening to Wealthy Advisor Mindset Podcast, a show dedicated to helping financial advisors grow their AUM while enjoying a great quality of life by creating a high-performance mindset. Guiding you on this podcast is none other than Nina Cook, a seasoned mindset coach who has worked with hundreds of business owners over the last decade to dissolve all their self-sabotaging behaviors and habits to achieve their business goals so they can have a much bigger impact and make much more money. Throughout the show, we'll deliver actionable strategies to grow your practice more easily and quickly while revealing the incredible possibilities that emerge when you tap into your best self. Ready for a breakthrough that amplifies your impact and profits? Let's dive in. I want to introduce you to a very, very special guest. Steve Taylor is an attorney and certified financial planner and the founder of Merited Wealth, LLC, a state of Florida registered investment advisor located in Miami, Florida. Prior to founding Merited Wealth, Steve was a board certified elder law attorney and chair of the Special Needs Trust Committee for the Florida Bar. His sister company is Merited Benefits and focuses on group insurance and 401k benefits. Steve and his wife Susie appeared on the ABC show Shark Tank in 2013 as creators of the Ultimate Bib. Steve is a past president of the president of the Miami chapter of the Financial Planning Association. He's also created a podcast called Do It For Yourself, where he interviews entrepreneurs to learn about their journey and lessons learned and creates a series on financial planning topics such as applying for, getting into and paying for college and long-term care planning. Steve, a very, very warm welcome to our podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you, Nina. I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate you inviting me. So we're going to be talking all things mindset as it applies to financial advisors. So let's start with your own journey. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be doing what you're doing and how mindset has played a role in your success? Yeah, that's that, that's a great question. So my my path is a little different than many other advisors out there. I, I say, you know, I've been off and on kind of working at this for over two decades. But where I started out, uh, where I was, is coming out of law school. I was practicing law, and I was not enamored with with the practice, right? It it wasn't really uh, that exciting to me. I had some friends that were in the financial planning, you know, quote unquote, at that that time. They were primarily just at uh, insurance companies. Um, But then it really got me interested in it, and and I started to work some. I I joined an insurance company. I went and got my my certification as a certified financial planner and really started trying to grow that business. But at the same time, really, when I was starting out, it's it's a challenge, right? It's, it's, It's a struggle to get started in this business. So I gravitated a little bit more towards practicing law at that time, which, which took me on that uh, on that path for a while before I was able to really refocus on this about about 10 years ago. 
And really the mindset, you know, I think back, I think to myself 20, 20 years ago, like that, that kid out there, I was very, uh, I was very confident. I, I was very certain of, of the things that, that I knew, right? Even though there's so much I, I didn't know. Uh, and I was very much out there trying to, to work in, in all these different areas and learn uh, through the process. And, you know, really this, the sales and going out there and, and talking with people and that follow up and that follow through and that dealing with, uh, you know, rejection, that was a challenge, right? That, that was a challenge to get through it. But I really had a strong, you know, core belief that I, I could make this happen because I've seen other people do it. I, I knew people that were doing it out there. And so I was really trying to kind of commit it to the process, learning as, as I would go. And my mindset was really, you know, just listen, keep your head down, keep doing these things you know to be right, and the results will follow. Uh, and so that's really, you know, my main mindset in starting out uh, and growing this business. Amazing. And you said that you had this core belief that you can make it happen. That is such an important part of it, isn't it? Because some financial advisors look at other people. You looked at other people and thought, if they can do it, then I can do it. There has to be a path because there is a way that they've made it this far. And other financial advisors can look at their peer group. They they will call them competitors, maybe, and say, well, they can do it, but they've got something that I haven't got. They've got something special that I'm lacking, and I can't do what they're doing. So this comes down to our beliefs, doesn't it? What we believe is possible and true for us. So what would you say to those uh, financial advisors who are listening into this podcast and thinking, well, that's all very well for Steve because he had this core belief that he could do it. What would you say to those who have the, the opposite belief that they can't do it, they can only get so far in life? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question, you know. So as I was going out there, I guess one part of this was that when I would see other people doing it and see what was out there, I would always think there's 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 better ways to do this. I I know I I I could see better way to do it. The way I'm particularly being told to do or how I'm I'm doing it doesn't doesn't sit right with me. And really, what what I've learned so much it was so important back then, and I think with so many people you know, that that they lose the confidence on it is I really had to get fine-tuned with my gut, my my inner instinct, my feelings to say that, hey, listen, I know I may not be able to articulate it right now of why I can do it or why I see I can do it differently or why I can see it this, but my gut is telling me that I can, right? And it's kind of guiding and shaping me in those certain directions. So I'd say really, number one, the most important thing would be for all those other advisors out there, they're seeing other you know people out there and saying, maybe they're not, maybe may not be able to do it. Listen to yourself, listen to your gut. You know, what, what are you telling yourself? If you're thinking about it, you probably think you can do it. There's a feeling within you that's saying you can do it. And really the focus would be, look to that, go to that, you know, focus on that feeling. Why is it telling you to do it? Because yes, I looked and saw other people that were doing it and were successful, but that doesn't mean I had to do it the same way they're doing it. I needed to do it my own way or really, you know, I, I that was going to be a challenge. If I was too much trying to do it other people's way rather than my way, that was probably, you know, number one, it's going to be, you know, a lot harder. But number two, at the end of the day, if I do it that way, I'm going to end up with a business I don't really want because I was doing it their way. And honestly, that's what got me to leave the practice of law, right? When I was practicing law, I wasn't that interested. So that's what I'd, I'd say, you know, is that, you know, if you if you think you can do it, focus on your gut and then really focus on doing it your own way 
while learning from other people's way to make sure that that's going to give you the best, the greatest chance of success is if you do it your own way because then you'll fu- you'll fully be invested and, and and believe in it. Yes, because often we do things that we think other people want us to do, or we do it another way because he said someone else is doing it that way. So when you do it, you know, following your gut, doing it your own way, then it aligns with your strengths, doesn't it? With your skill set and you feel more on purpose and more motivated and more passionate about it. You said that you got fine-tuned with your gut. How did you do that? Was that taking some quiet time? Were you asking, you know, was it self-inquiry questions? You know, what do I want? How do I want my practice to look? How do I want my life to look? How did you do that? Because that's something not many people take the time to do. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a great question. So really, you know, a, a part of it is the initial part is, hey, something something's off, right? Something's not right. Something's feeling weird. Uh, and you could think about it and and you can go out and do your research and reading. But really, the most impactful, Nina, and I've always I've always done this as part of my practice. And now I really open it up for other people to come to me. I would go talk to people. I would go talk to them in a little setting. Hey, can I buy you a drink? Or, hey, can we have breakfast? And really just start going through it and talking to them and get their perspective because you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed at what you hear. Like, for example, if you're at a small little presentation, someone gives a presentation on something, you're like, oh, well, you know, there's bits and pieces of that that I liked. A lot of it I didn't like. When you go and reach out and sit down and talk with them separately, individually, you're going to be open to a whole different thought process of theirs. And you're going to see, okay, maybe what they put out there and put out to the world isn't necessarily everything that they're doing, right? And that's even more prevalent in today's social media world. But that, that's really, uh, you know, I, I've always, I continue, it's like being a lifetime, a lifetime learner and really just having conversations like we're having, you know, to say, hey, tell me more, tell me more. Wonderful. So it's going out and asking questions. And finding what works for them and what works for you. I think conversations are the the heartbeat of being an entrepreneur. It's where you talk to people, you talk to, you know, customers, prospects, your peer group, to mentors, and all of that is such an important part. So, which brings us to sales. Sales is an area that a lot of financial advisors hate doing. They hate selling themselves. They hate marketing their services. They'd rather be in an office, sort of anonymous, doing great work, serving their clients. But getting the leads can be very, very stressful and challenging for some of them. How did you come to terms with selling and marketing yourself? Was it something that came to you naturally or was it something that you had to really work at? And you know, did you, what role did your mindset play in sales and marketing for you? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a great question. Like I said, I started at a insurance company many years ago and they have a whole technique and right, they guide you in, in the sales and, and everything through it. And which, which is great training, even though I knew I didn't want to sell uh, insurance products, right? So I'd say number one, you know, when you're when you're going and thinking about sales, it's kind of what are you selling, right? For me, when I was starting out at an insurance company, selling these, you know, life insurance was the answer to you know all that ails you. I didn't believe in that. I didn't. I didn't agree with that, right? So I had a real, really uh, problematic time selling that, and, and it came across the people that I was out there, you know, talking to. But then when I parlayed that and I went into the law as a lawyer, what what was I selling? I was selling me. I'm selling it advice. It's something intangible, right? So 
if you focus on that, what you're selling is you and you're selling that advice and the, and the services just come along for it, it becomes much easier to go through that, right? Because you're you're just saying, hey, listen, this is what I know. Uh, this is what I think could help you. And let me let me share this with you. So it doesn't feel like sales anymore, right? It seems like education. And that's really been the mantra of both as a lawyer and now, you know, a financial advisor for me, it was selling through education, right? I would write papers or I would give speeches and just in a really edu- educating fashion. And then for me, like you mentioned leads, right? And this is, once again, I want to go back to this. You know, a lot of people will say, hey, these are the things you should do uh, to get clients, right? You'll hear people that are uh, selling a lead service. Hey, you sign up for us, right? Buy our leads or you need to do events, you know, do events for people or seminars, all these different things. Well, let me tell you, Nina, I did one seminar and my mom showed up. That was it. (laughs) Did she buy it? Uh, she, she did. She was, a, she was a hard sale. But the people who I was going after, they don't they don't come to seminars, right? That's not that's not how they do it. So really, how I've always done it is just through networking, getting to know people in a very uh, informal fashion or maybe in informal settings, right? And once again, there it's get to know the person first, get to know them, and then develop your own routine of how to say, hey, listen, you know, Nina, great to know you. You know, we've known each other for a while now. I heard you mention. The other day, you were having some concerns. The stock market, you know, concerns you, or you know, your your mortgage is getting a lot of control. Listen, as a part of my business, what I do as a financial advisor, those are the kind of items that I address and work with clients. I'd love, no pressure, to sit down with you and just talk about it sometime if you ever have the need, right? And if you do it that way, it's much easier. You're not you're not selling, right? Um, you know, and and that's really to develop that method of just it's conversational. You're you're looking for an opportunity to sit down with them, to educate them, and then the business would come after. Uh, that's always felt you know right for me. There's lots of people that that are hard say hardcore salespeople with life insurance, and they do very well. And if that works for them, great. That's just what that wasn't worked for me, and probably you know to your question for a lot of other advisors out there, they don't like that either. Yes, absolutely, because they feel I th- what I keep hearing again and again working with clients, financial advisor clients, is that they have a real fear of rejection. They hate getting a no, so they'll do everything they can to avoid getting a no. And if you're going to avoid getting a no, it means you're going to avoid reaching out. You're going to avoid having calendar um, appointments set up. You're not going to want to put yourself in that situation. But if you don't have leads, if you don't have conversations, you're not going to have clients. So some of them are just treading water at the moment and hoping, you know, passively they'll get clients coming in. How do you deal with no's? How do you face up to a a no? Do you take it personally or do you move past it very quickly? What's your mindset around that? Yeah. So early on, right, when when I'm starting out in the business, when you hear a no, it's devastating. Right. Like they're they're rejecting me, you know, like me as a person, they're they're letting me down. Right. But then as you as you go on and you go through it, you know, you learn they're not rejecting you. And and, and no does not mean, first of all, no forever. It might mean not now, or there's plenty of other reasons that, that are out there. So you don't you don't focus on that, right? And I think a lot of one of the state, you know, the speeches out there or somebody has a saying that says, right, no, no is just what they say before they say yes, right? So and it's it's kind of that's kind of an entry point in the conversation. And and if you really stick at it and go through it, many times you'll find 
people that, you know, have said no initially, but then eventually say yes and become clients. And there's a little element of that to overcoming objections. That's a sales ploy though, right? Like, oh, what? tell me all the reasons why so I can take it out there. But really it's like, okay, listen, I understand. Hey, do you mind if I, I have an email list, right? That I have, can, can I put you on that? Can I put you on my social media? Or you'll you'll continue to, to, to sell, you know, to see the person in whatever format it might be. It's really, you can't let it um, knock you down. It's not a no against you. It's just a not now or I'm not in the market for what you're, you know, you're offering, or I have someone else at, at it. It really should be, uh, you know, a, a non-factor because just the more no's you get, you know, it just makes it more value when you get to that right yes. Because remember, you're trying to find that right connection, right? And someone that might say yes could be a, a, a really a terrible client for you, right? Uh, but you went too hardcore, you did all those sale techniques, and then you got somebody on board that you don't really want as a client. So yeah, it's it's not the focus on that. And not that it's not a it's not a rejection of you, right? It's not a rejection of necessarily, you know, anything that you're trying to to offer to them. It's just like not now. Timing's not right. There's many other reasons that you'll you'll come to find out. Yeah, I absolutely agree. One of my biggest breakthroughs I've had is to stop taking things personally. Once I stopped taking things personally, I realized, oh, they're not rejecting me. I'm not up for rejection. I don't put myself out there to be rejected. It doesn't, the word rejection doesn't exist in my vocabulary. As you said, it's not the right fit. It's not the right time for them. And that's fine. And I say no to people as well. And that's all good. And then I extended that into my private life, you know, friends, relationships. And it's incredible. It's like you put on this cloak of invincibility and things just slide just slide off, you know, off you, where before you used to, I used to mull over these things for days and weeks. And, and I do feel as an entrepreneur, being able to easily handle rejection or not see rejection is a big, big part of growing and scaling our businesses. But because before you can get, you, you cannot scale your practice until you've dealt with that. Yeah. And it's our choice too, Nina, right? It's like, yes, we're asking them to become a client. We want them to kind of choose us, but we want to choose them also, right? So if you if you set up your process and procedure, like mine is, if you go to my website, it's like I start, hey, let's let's just have a conversation, right? Let's just have an initial conversation feeling, make, see if you're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for you. If you feel like you have choice in this also, right? Listen, if you think that everyone that says yes, you have to make them a client, uh, please rethink that, right? You you don't you don't want that, right? But make it that you have a choice in this also. So it's kind of a, a give and take and, and more so hopefully it'll make you feel more comfortable also. And that, yeah, it's not just, it's not a, a, a negative, anything negative upon you. And it seems that networking, chatting comes very easily to you. What about for people who doesn't come easily to their, you know, walking into a room full of strangers is their biggest nightmare. They don't yeah. find it easy to make small talk or casually tell people what they do. It just feels very forced. It feels very salesy, very unnatural to them. What would you say to them about being able to have these conversations and networking in, in a way that feels good to them? Yeah. So what I would say, and, and my biggest advice there is I, I don't like necessarily very big rooms as as well, you know, like certain chambers of commerce like that with so many people, someone walks up to you and handles your business card. I would say, make the room small. And, and what I mean by that is when you go in there, start looking for people or, or characteristics of people that you might, you know, you might identify with them. Maybe somebody has a certain type of clothing on or or sunglasses, right? Or, or anything like that. 
Like, and other people, just you walk around and when you're looking around, they may look at you and give an inviting an inviting glance or like an open glance and they're open to have that conversation. And then when you go in there, it's not about businesses. Hey, what's your name? My name's here. Hey, do you live around here? Or what, you know, go into non-business conversations and you'll find that that's much, much easier, right? And now there are some people that will be the hardcore ones to say, hey, what do you do? What are you here for? And you're, so you're going to quickly look at them and slide on by, right? But there's plenty of other people like you. And I promise, even if you're an introvert, if your goal is to go and just make one good, meaningful connection, then it's a massive success. And don't look at it like you have to meet everybody. So it's 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 shrink the room. Shrink the room. Find those people that you think you can connect with and you will connect with because you do connect with people already. If you, if you go to other sporting events or concerts or whatever, movies, whatever other things you like doing, you know, you're going to start, you know, connecting with those people. So in this group, you're making it small and you're looking to say, hey, what kind of interests or activity do we have in common? And go to that. Talk about that. And that and that makes it, I think, will make it a lot more doable and, and, and easier to, to navigate. Are you frustrated with your inability to take the next steps to grow your practice and worry that your same old tired strategies don't seem to work any longer? If this is you, then listen up. Nina has spent the last two decades coaching financial advisors and has cracked the code to grow in AUMs, hitting bigger profits in your business and achieving a higher quality of life. You can now get access to those secrets in her game-changing book, Renegade Mindset, a financial advisor's guide to a peak performance mindset. In the book, Nina will share her proven process for success to take you from chasing clients to attracting high-paying ones by creating a success-driven mindset. So, if you're struggling with stagnation, then this could give you the breakthrough you've been searching for. This is different to anything you may have come across before. For being an awesome listener to this podcast, our team would like to gift you a free copy of the book, Renegade Mindset, a financial advisor's guide to a peak performance mindset. You can get your free copy at ninabook.org. You only have to pay for shipping and handling. Once again, the link to get a free copy of this book is ninabook.org. The link is also in the description. Don't miss out on this exclusive opportunity to grow your AUM and stop hustling for your next client. Now, back to the show. That's great advice. At the end of the day, they're human beings, just like you. I mean, the no one is better than anyone else. Uh, I think it's also part of it is your own attitude. When you walk into the room, you see people, you may look at someone and think, or talk to someone and think, oh, they're much more successful than me and immediately feel inferior to them and think, well, why would they be interested in someone small like me? So it's really feeling as like equal to everyone else and knowing you have your own skill set and everyone else has their own skill set and feeling you know, you you are knowing you are as good as anyone you would talk to, no matter what the size of their business is, how many offices they have, how big their team is. And you know, one, another tip I would have there also, Nina, in, in those situations, and, and you can find them, and I use this a lot even in, now, when you go and you meet with someone in, in the first like minute or so, if, they're, if they come up and they're solely talking about themselves and what they do, and really just, you know, even if I talk back and forth, it's all about them. And they never stop and say, well, what about you? I'd like, I like to know about you. Let me tell you, I walk away from them immediately. 
And they don't even notice that you're kind of blowing them off because they're so self-involved. So if you kind of have that test and, and to see if the person will slow down and allow you to talk and be about yourself, you'll find a connection there right away because that's going to be a person that's truly interested in other people and that, and that you're going to connect with uh, in, in a meaningful way. Uh, so try that. There's so many of the other ones that just go really quick and talking about themselves. And, you know, you can literally, you can literally turn around and walk away from them in mid-sentence. They don't even notice. So, yes, you know, I've try to stay away from many those people. people like that. Yeah, I think we yeah. all have. One thing that I, I found very interesting with your website is that you show all your fees. Everything's very transparent. Everything's very upfront. There are some financial advisors who charge fees and some who don't. Some who are happy to charge fees, increase their fees, no problem. And others who struggle to start charging fees or once they do to increase them. What's, what's your thinking around why some financial advisors are able to charge fees easily and others struggle to do that? I think a, a big part of it is that so many financial advisors come from an environment of where everything was commission-based and they never had to talk to people about what they're making and clients never asked, right? And that was the way that they, they came about it. So that's how they kind of just got used to doing the business and they, and they felt that that was the way to do it. When you want to go towards, you know, the, really the fee discussion, listen, there's nothing wrong necessarily with, with commission-based products, but many times it, it doesn't align with what you're trying to do. It doesn't align with an ongoing relationship, right? It doesn't align necessarily that, you know, just because do you have to give the client this product to achieve the advice that you're giving them? No, right? It's, it's, too, it's too out of line. But when you go to fees, what's really so important about it, and, it's in, and once again, you know, it's important to, to do it right up front is that you're going to start saying, hey, listen, this is this is what I cost, right? This is the value I feel I bring. I'm going to articulate the value. And you're going to know right away if they're a bad fit. If they start scoffing at your fees right away, you're not going to waste any more time with them, right? But when you bring up the fees, really the other you know thing you need to say right away, and our fees are this, and this is the value that we bring, right? We do X, Y, Z. We do tax planning retirement planning, long-term care planning, da, 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 da. this is our process, you know, you don't, you know, it's, you don't just bring up your fee in a vacuum, right? You kind of show them what they're going to be, what they're going to be getting. It was, it was easy for me as a lawyer when I was doing my wills and trusts, because people kind of knew what they were getting. They were getting a set of legal documents to put together, started out to sell the documents that much and, and the fee, they expected to pay a fee. But in financial services, people are used to, you know, you go out there, you look online, hey, come invest with us. It costs, you know, costs you nothing, right? And and all these different things. So they're maybe not used to paying a fee because they charge for free, or it was a scenario where the uh, financial advisor just works solely on commission. So you'll find more often than not, when you're straightforward and upfront with them, they're going to be fine with it and they're going to understand and they're going to appreciate that. Uh, and so, and you just got to get comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, it may be the people that you worked with before, maybe they're not the right fit, but you can find those, those new people and you're going to set yourself up. It's going to be very transparent uh, and you're, and you're going to get there and you have to talk about it right away. Because if they're not a good fit and you wait to the end, just think about how much time you wasted. Absolutely. There is that link, isn't there, on the value side that you have to believe in your value first before you can share it confidently and with certainty with a prospect. So for those financial advisors who don't really get their own value, they question the value. Is the client going to want to pay that? They may they don't want to pay that, then go get it free somewhere else. Is their value enough value to charge a fee? 
What would you say about that in believing and really owning your value that you're giving to the prospect? Yeah. So a lot of us devalue, I think it's kind of human nature to not place much value on the stuff you know already, right? You you say, I I I know that. That's not a big deal, right? That's not that that complicated out there. So you think it's not worth much. But if you bring an idea or a thought to someone else that doesn't know it, how much is that worth? I started out at a big accounting firm many, many years ago, and they had these ideas. They'd say, hey, listen, we have this idea that's going to apply to this particular client, type of client. Go out and find them. They already worked out the idea, right? The work was done. You know, They had the intellectual capital, all the stuff. And they would typically save the client like half, you know, half, you know, half a million dollars in, in taxes. And they would say, okay, we're going to charge them $200,000 for that, right? They've already done it. They've already known it. There's nothing new. But to that client, there was tremendous value, right? Because they saved them $500,000 in taxes. If you tell someone who's not contributing to an IRA to contribute to an IRA, it's going to lower your taxes. You have saved them money. There is that value. So you really have to understand the, the advice that, that you're giving. It's going to have an impact and you know understand that the, the actual dollar amount and quantify that. Show that to clients. Right, charge a fee for a plan, or even if you don't charge a fee for a plan, you know, show them, you know, the value of that advice. If you know it uh, and they don't, it's valuable. Or if they even know it but they're not doing it, it's valuable for you to get them to do it. Right. So I think that's really uh, the part is to understand what you're bringing is value. It saves it saves people money and believe in it. And just because you've done it a hundred times doesn't make it less valuable. That's a really great point. We do underestimate our expertise and our skill set. When we think about it, we've trained many years for it. We've spent a lot of money. We've invested in ourselves. So we're bringing all of that to the table, aren't we? When we say this fee is only this little amount and for that you get all of this and showing them, demonstrating it, even if you have to write it out for them, that's a great way of demonstrating value because sometimes we assume people can see the value, but they can't. They won't know it until you show it to them. You have to actually demonstrate it to them. That's a really great point. Now, there's one subject which I love asking a question about, and this is setbacks. We all encounter setbacks. Being a, a being an entrepreneur is a bit like being on a roller coaster, isn't it? Sometimes there's huge highs, huge lows. When you have a setback, how do you deal with it? How do you get past it? Yeah, that's the key, right? It's about being resilient and get through that. I, I will tell you, and I think back to to when I was younger, you know, listen, all, all of these these mindset things that we we talk about, and even when you improve it, still old habits will 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 sneak in, right? and you you got to get through those. But simply when I was when I was starting out or getting getting out, uh, you know out of the box on these things, and a setback would happen, truly to start, I would you simply you don't think about it. You don't focus on it. You move forward. Okay, next. Okay, next. Right. That that one knows to another one. You really you can't stew in it. You got to keep moving. You can't really focus in other than maybe listen. If it's a big setback, what I like to do, think about it. You take take a day. Take a day. Okay, what happened? What could I have done differently? What can I learn from it? Write it down, and then day two, it's over. Right. And and you really and more than anything. People say, well, how can you do that? You forced yourself not to. Don't think of it. 
right? Don't focus on that, right? Because that, that's the issue. The mindset is that you focus on it, that that inner loop inside our head of, of the negativity will continue to come out. Don't focus on it, put it down. Because like you said, the entrepreneur's journey is so freaking hard. It's probably 80% no and 80% failure before there is success. So the key is you simply can't focus on it for very long. Give yourself some time, debrief if it's a, if it's a big setback, but then then move forward. And that's And that's really... You know, the only way. Now, don't be impractical, right? Don't put yourself or your family into financial ruin. You have to be realistic at a certain point if something's happening. Uh, but if it's just mental or it was just a simple no, or you spent a lot of time and it didn't happen, yeah, don't think about it very much. I love what you say that focus on it, but with asking questions, how can I do it better this time? What went wrong? What can I do that would make sure this doesn't happen again? Those are really powerful questions because then you're taking all the learnings out of that situation and you can apply them to um, the next time. The other thing that you um, said, which was really important, we didn't say it, but this, you implied it that you don't use it as an excuse to beat yourself up and say, oh, well, you know, just proves I'm a loser. There I go again. Another big, you know, mistake I made, another failure. So we don't use it to take meanings about how useless we are. We just say, okay, what can I get out of this? And then move on quickly. It's all about where we focus. Our focus, our attention is 100% the key to success. Because if we're focusing on thinking we're failures and that we're never going to get anywhere, then we're not going to get anywhere. Yeah, Nina, and I think it's really a really important point to that one is that, listen, maybe in your business, maybe you're very resilient, right? And you, you don't take it personal, but there are going to be things in your personal life that you take personal, right? They're by definition, they're personal. And whatever those influences and those powers are in your life, you got to get rid of them. You got to get rid of them, right? You got to clean house. Like if you're going to go down that entrepreneurial journey, and this is what I say a lot to a lot of people, and I, and I talk to a lot of people that if you're married or you have children, you need to sit back and sit down and go through with them. Hey, listen, we're going down this journey. I need you on my side. This is going to be really, really hard. Something I really want to do. Uh, I'm going to come home. I'm going to be in bad moods and stuff like that. But I need you to be supportive, and you need to get them on your side because I've been blessed with an extraordinarily supportive spouse. But I will, I will tell you, and I'm not telling people to, you know, out there and, and get divorced, but if your entrepreneurial journey, if your spouse is not behind it, I'm not going to say it's not going to work, but it's going to be thousand times more difficult for it to work. And it may work at the cost potentially of your marriage, right? In that scenario. So you got to really take that into account and whatever negative factors are out there for you, get rid of them. If, if, if it's, you know, if it's, once again, if it's a spouse like that, maybe you do it a different way or you really get them in, involved in it because if they're saying like, hey, I told you so, or I knew this, or why does that have to be so hard? Why did you do this? It's just going to be that much harder. So you got to get rid of the negative influences and those that are closest to you, make sure they're on board or else it's going to be monumentally more difficult. Yeah, that's a really, really good tip. So I'd love to ask you this um, question around strategy. What is the one top tip you can share with our audience about how they can grow their practice? What is the number one thing? That's a great question. You know, the number one thing to to grow the practice, right? I'm always trying to think strategically, right? When, when I'm, I'm very much, that's, you know, a skill probably many financial planners have when you plan uh, you bring that together, uh, you know, as I'm thinking through it, you know, that really it's it's focus on the process that you're going through rather than the results. 
And I got a a um a, a good sales, a good a good mentor in, in, in the life insurance sales area, a friend to this day, right? He 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 explained it, and, and I think about it as uh, you know, uh, Lucille Ball, uh, Lucy and Ethel world with a chocolate factory with a conveyor belt, right? And he says, you know, you got to keep putting things on the top of your conveyor belt, you know, opportunities, or else, you know, you know, to let them permeate and go through the cycle to be able to end up into a, a finished product there at the end. So, you know, the the, the strategy and the, and the success, I would say, is you got to fo- you got to focus on your product, your your pro- your process. Keep putting opportunities out there, and focus on the that activity and that process. Early on and pretty much throughout the time, rather than just the results, because that is what all of a sudden, if you focus on that, you're going to see the results are going to flow, right? You can't you can't be too results oriented too early or else it's going to stop you, right? It's going to slow you down. So I think that's the strategy, uh, right? Is it's not it's not results oriented, it's process oriented and stick to your process. Cause I would say you don't have to have the perfect process. Uh, people have their processes out there, but if you have a process that you've done your own research, you feel is going to work, and you commit to it, and you do it repeatedly over and over, it's going to produce results. Now you may fine tune it over time, but you know it's going to produce results. So figure out a process and stick to it, and the results will come. Wonderful, and it's actually very simple, isn't it? Find a process, do it, do it consistently. Don't get distracted and start finding new shiny objects, because that's the thing. And we could have a very long conversation about that. Stick to one thing, try it, keep trying it, tweak it if you need to, see if it works. If it really doesn't work after you've done everything, then move on to something else. But stick to one thing at a time. It is doing the one thing which we find so difficult because there are so many shiny things, new things, new processes coming up and try this method. And people are sending us stuff in our inbox every single day. It's having that very focused attention on the one thing and seeing it through, following through with it. It's actually very simple, but it seems so challenging to do. Yeah, we're all guilty of looking at those shiny objects. I, I love it. And sometimes I get, you know, I've had I've had people that said that I was guilty of that, but kind of how I do it is you know, I have I I will look into the shiny object, but I will not change my process until I've really gone through it, and I think there might be some value in it. So, I, you know, maybe these might go in conflict, but to say, you know, be a lifetime learner, be curious, go find out about, about that stuff. But nine out of ten times, for me, and you'll probably find that it's not worthwhile to implement, but it was still worth that time to just give it a little bit of investigation. But keep your process; don't disrupt it. Disrupt your process very, very slowly, right? Because yes. once again, that conveyor belt, right? If you you got to wait for things to come down, if you're continually changing up front, nothing's going to have time to come down. So let it, you know. But on the on the side, you you could be looking around at other conveyor belts or other or other items to say, hey. How can I improve this without stopping yours? Exactly. And AI is a prime example. There are so many tools, new ones coming out every day. It could be a huge rabbit hole, gobble up your time. But if you just spend a you know a little bit of time just researching, you may be able to find something in there that can enhance your process that you're focusing on. It is a delicate balancing act, isn't it? They doesn't take too much attention away, but you're still using um new things which come through. 
Fantastic. Thank you. This has been amazing. You've just um, really expanded my thinking around how a mindset is such a key part of financial advisors. And I hope everyone who's been listening has found it very, very valuable. How can people find out more about you and the great work you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate it, Nina. I've really enjoyed this conversation also. So our website is meritedwealth.com. You know, you'll find a lot of information about me and our practice there. We're we're in LinkedIn, we're in Facebook, wherever it might be. And I'll put this offer out there. If there's any other financial advisors that listen to this, listen, if you want 15 minutes of time, I will give it to you. I will give to anybody that's interested in it, learning more, bettering themselves. I'll always give them 15 minutes because I was given 15 minutes many times back, back in the past. So if you want to reach out and anything I say, or you think of something I do, a question or email me, I'm, I'm happy to do it. And, and uh, you know, just giving back. And, I, and many times I will do it because I promise I'll learn something from you as well. That's very generous. Thank you. And also your podcast as well. So if anyone wants to go and listen to your podcast, do it yourself, do it for yourself. Go along and listen to it because it's packed full of valuable gems. Steve, many, many thanks for being our guest today. And for everyone who's watching and listening, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. Bye-bye for now. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Wealthy Advisor Mindset. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform to get notifications on upcoming episodes. If this episode made you think of someone who you think would benefit from listening to it, then go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends and colleagues. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description. If you are a financial advisor who is struggling to grow your AUM and profits while creating a great work-life balance and you know it's because your mindset is stopping you or you have a specific challenge in mind that you would love Nina's feedback on, go to chatswithnina.org and grab a time that works best for you. We'd love to see if we can help you. Once again, it's chatswithnina.org. We will see you in the next episode.